Method to the Madness is next. to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing David Mayeri, the man behind the vision to change the UC Theater on University Avenue into an elegant, multi-tiered, all-ages music venue in the heart of downtown Berkeley. Welcome to the program, David. Thank you. We're interested in the UC Theater Project. What is the Berkeley Music Group before we start talking about your project? The Berkeley Music Group uh, is a nonprofit organization that was formed to renovate and run the UC Theater as a music venue. And When did you form it? We formed it in 2012. I've been working on the project, though, a few years longer than that, but uh, that's when we formed the nonprofit. Okay. And just so that our listeners know, maybe they haven't seen the marquee on University Avenue, but tell them what you're trying to do at the UC Theater. Okay. Um, the UC Theater is a, it's a you know beautiful old theater that was built in 1917. It's been closed for the last 14 years, so a lot of people who are recent to uh, Berkeley are not really familiar with the history of it. Well, it was a great place to gather uh, in Berkeley uh, over the years, up through 2001. It was really a good city center uh, place for people to come and, you know, see film and, and, and join in the community. I used to go see movies there. Yeah, I did too. I, I went, my, uh, my mother took me as a kid to see the Ten Commandments there. That was a long <laughs> time ago. Wow. Uh, so what are we doing? Uh, we're renovating the theater and converting it into a 1,400-seat music venue. So our, our mission uh, is to deliver a diverse range of cultural entertainment. The core uh, will be music, and the core of that music will be bands that have outgrown Slim's Great American Music Hall, you know, The Independent, 1015, New Parish, Clubs of that size, you know, five, six, seven hundred. But they're clubs. not quite ready for the Fillmore or the Fox yet. Or? Well, we're or the bands that you would see at the Fillmore. If you the the best way to characterize our core music would be, uh, you know, the Fillmore in Berkeley. It's just, we're a little larger than the Fillmore. Our capacity is fourteen hundred general admission. So that's our core our core programming. Those type of band, artists. And then in addition to that, we'll do uh, comedy, we'll do a speaker series, we'll do some film. And then we're, as part of our mission to do a diverse range of cultural entertainment, we're also going to do community programming. And that would be, you know, symphony, opera recital, some theater, and uh, choral. Nothing for more than a couple of nights, but the important thing is to, do, is to provide that cultural diversity. And with those organizations... For the most part, they would be fundraising. We would we would put on these events to be fundraising events for those nonprofits. For those nonprofits. For those nonprofits. Well, yes. I have a kind of a basic question here. What made you think that um, this area could support another music venue? Uh, well, there's no venue of this size and type um, in, in the, the East, East Bay. Bay. 
It doesn't exist. So there's, uh, you know, the, you've got uh, the freight at uh, 440. Um, you've got Zellerbach at 2000, but it's all reserved. You've got BCT, Berkeley Community Theater, at 3600, all reserved. There is no Fillmore-sized venue in the East Bay. It doesn't exist. And this room is going to be very flexible in its design. We're going to... It'll be a full-service restaurant and bar. We're moving all the theater seats. We're going to tier the main floor with tables and chairs. So it'll be tiered like the main floor of the Fox or the main floor of the Warfield. And the uh, general admission, you know, 1,400 capacity is only one configuration. We can do all seated tables and chairs and seat about eight or 900 people. We can do banquet-style seating and seat about 600. We can do lecture-style seating and seat about 11 or 1,200. So the idea is to make the room very, very flexible. It's a, it, it, we see this as a, you know, a music venue serving the community. That's, right. that's part of our, our nonprofit mission. The other main part of what we're doing is education. And um, the, the education program, the core of that is working with youth 17 to 25 to teach them the technical, creative, and business aspects of concert and event promotion, have workshops, and then kids graduate from that and have a, be part of a paid internship where they learn how to be a production manager or a lighting designer or a stagehand or a bar manager. And you know what you're talking about there because isn't that how you got your start with the Bill Graham I, I organization. Did. I started with Bill. I started with Bill when I was uh, I was a Berkeley High School student. I was 16 years old. Um, I was an intern. I got paid ten dollars cash. Intern where? At uh, at Berkeley Community Theater. I got paid ten dollars cash to work the Bill Graham present shows that came in to uh, the Berkeley Community Theater. I would unload the truck and set the stage and usher the show and tear down the stage. And do you remember what your first show was? <laughs> I do. What was it? <laughs> my first show um, My first show was a great experience. My first show, you know, we've done the load-in, and I'm standing, the show hasn't started yet, and I'm standing outside the dressing room, and there's two artists sitting, sitting facing each other and folding chairs inside the dressing room. They both have guitars, and they're they're very friendly with each other, and they're uh, they're talking back and forth about music, and they're they're playing their guitars, and they're kind of harmonizing with each other. And the guy looks at me and says, hey, kid, come on in here. So I go into the dressing room, and I'm standing against the back wall, you know, just you know, six, eight feet from both the artists. And what I'm watching is James Taylor riffing with Carole King, and oh, that was nice. my first show. <laughs> so that was, very, that was very exciting. That is. But the education program, you know, I started as an intern when I was 16, and I left Bill Graham Presents 35 years later as their chief operating officer. So for me, it was a transformative experience, and we're trying to bring a little bit of that back to what we're doing at the UC Theater. So that we're, there's a lot of kids that want to be behind the mic, um, and it's very tough to make it behind the mic. So the idea here is to help create um, uh, an educational environment, a training environment that will help you work around the mic. But you're also going to provide uh, regular jobs to the Berkeley community. Uh, it oh, well, seems like there would be a lot of opportunities there as well. Oh, yes. So we'll, we'll create over 150 full and part-time jobs once we open. And uh, our construction uh, will create, you know, 75, 100 construction jobs as well. So, so you sound like this is a done deal. Is it actually a done deal? Or where are you in the process? Do you have enough money? Is it act- I know you had your, your groundbreaking ceremony. What's left to do? This is a done deal. It's always been a done deal in my mind um, as we move forward. It's, uh, it's a force of will of the community, of our board, um, 
This is a passion project for a lot of people. We have a lot of project champions. Um, it, we are a uh, we are in our what we call our turn on the lights capital campaign, and that's to help raise the money to do the renovation of the theater. We still have a couple million left to go to raise. We have we will uh, we by the time this airs we would have started construction, and. Um, and we're looking at opening in the fall. So uh, there's so a lot you feel of, confident that you're going to get the additional couple million. Yes, we have a, we have a bridge loan in place that'll help us manage our cash flow. But yes, I'm I'm confident. But we never take anything for granted. So all those people out there listening who are interested in supporting us, we certainly would appreciate your support or an introduction to you know possible to people who have. Who have an interest in this kind of project have a history history of philanthropic giving. Those tend to be the ones that support us the most, and introductions and and spreading the word about this project uh, would be much appreciated. Well, it seems like pretty good timing with the new film archives coming in, the new art museum, and there's really an art community developing here it in is. Berkeley. It is so and exciting. It's, it is exciting when you look at what the Fox did for Oakland. Probably restaurants and other businesses are going to come in around. Yeah, the there's theater. a great there's a great. I, I tip my hat to Jerry Brown for the transformation that happened in uptown Oakland because what he did was he rezoned that area for 10,000 units and created and having those people move in to uptown Oakland created that nightlife scene it created the people to come it created the there and the fox you know they did a brilliant job it took um, a long time it took well the fox was was empty for 35 years mm-hmm. uh, but the renovation was i mean it's a gorgeous building and the the uh, another planet entertainment's doing a great job running it it's just you know the, but that whole area has just completely been transformed similar thing happened in downtown berkeley about 18 24 months ago where they re, they changed the zoning and there's going to be you know about over the next 3 to 5 years 2500 to 3000 new residential units coming to downtown berkeley and that's really going to help transform things but you had asked earlier you know why you know what makes us think that this building can be supported by the community and that is again there is no venue of this size and type in the east bay it just doesn't exist and so what happens now is that uh, if you're if you have to wait to see a band at the Fox, you'll now see them earlier in their career because we're half the size of the Fox. So they'll be able to play the East Bay that much early in their career. Bands that used to sing at the Greek were one sixth the size of the Greek theater. So you'll be able to see those type of bands much earlier in their careers. And more importantly, we're gonna give a lot of local artists additional plays in the East Bay and take local artists who are on their way up and maybe put a couple together and they co-headline or actually see them headline our venue as well. We'll feature not only local artists, but national touring artists. So so you have tons of connections. You've worked over 30 years in the Bill Graham organization. So let's talk a little bit about your history. As the chief operating officer of Bill Graham Presents, well, actually before that, I ran the nightclub division of Bill Graham uh, Presents for many years. So, you know, back in that day, it was, you know, the old Waldorf and the Punchline and mm-hmm. Wolfgangs. I also ran uh, the Fillmore and the Warfield and uh, Shoreline Amphitheater and uh, Concord Pavilion. So those were all venues that that the company owned and operated or leased and uh, that I oversaw the operations of. I developed some of them. I did the renovation of the the Fillmore, getting us back into the Fillmore in the 80s and then then post-earthquake renovation, Um, the transformation of the Warfield when we tiered the main floor uh, and made it more versatile with with table seating and a full-service bar. So the punchlines, those are all projects that I developed. Uh, 
an amphitheater up in Marysville is another project. I also worked on one up in Seattle. Fillmore in Denver is another one of my projects. So I have some experience with venues uh, in developing them and also in operating them. And it's that passion that I bring to the UC Theater Project. Yeah, and the experience. It's great. In the 30 years experience with Bill Graham, are there any great Bill Graham stories well, that you could pass along I to would, us? There's, there was one that I told the other night. This was uh, this was back in, in when when Bill was operating at Winterland, and um, there was a uh, artist that was just on the rise very fast. His name was Bruce Springsteen, and Bruce, first time he played the market, played the Paramount Theater, because he was only playing reserve seat venues. And Bill got on the phone with, with Bruce and his manager and said, you know, you've got to play Winterland. And they said, well, no, it's general admission. We don't play general admission venues. Why well, wouldn't they? I'm curious. What was the deal with that? Um, that's a good question. I think that they felt it was just a more, you know, uh, a more upscale environment, and that was the, the image. Maybe they worried about um, crowd control issues and uh, the safety of people. You know, at general admission shows, maybe they had a bad experience. So Bill explained, talked about the energy that happens in a general admission show where the audience is, you know, close to the stage, pressed up to the stage. And you can really, you really feel that energy. And you can really, the performances are much better by the artist when they're, when they have that general admission standing room right in front of the stage environment because the artist and the audience feed off of each other. You can see this at the Fillmore as well. It's another great place to see a show. So Bill finally talked Bruce into playing Winterland. And so Bruce comes to Winterland. It's a sold-out show, and um, it's everything that Bill said it would be and more. It was an amazing experience for Bruce, and so much so that early in the show, he was just so excited and so connected with the audience that he walked to the edge of the stage and dove into the audience, <laughs> kind of fell into the audience. And they passed him around for five, three minutes, four minutes, brought him back on stage. He did it again. They passed him around. And it was just, it was so, <laughs> it was such a bonding experience between the artist and the audience. It was just spectacular. You know, he loved that show, and Bill was right, and and Bruce acknowledged it. And so uh, it was either the next night or a few nights later, uh, the Jay, Jay Giles band is headlining Winterland, and uh, Peter Wolf hears about, you know, the experience that Bruce had. So he's coming out on stage, and uh, he's performing, and at the right moment he thinks, okay, I'm going to dive in the audience and have them pass me around. And so he leans in the audience, and he falls to the ground. Nobody <laughs> catches him. It was a tough... Maybe they passed him for a little bit, but he ended up on the ground, which was unfortunate. But, you know, so it doesn't work for every artist. Um, it doesn't yeah, work. But that was probably the beginning of all that crowd It, it was uh, crowd surfing. surfing. And... It was the beginning of crowd surfing as far as artists were concerned. Yeah. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a biweekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing David Mayeri, the founder of the Berkeley Music Group and the vision behind the UC Theater Project. So you met Bill Graham as a young boy. I did, and he kind of took you under his wing. It sounds like, and it was Bill was uh, Bill was a great teacher. Uh, he was very intense. Uh, it was a great, it was a fantastic learning experience. My life at Bill Graham Presents was a wonderful experience. I would refer to it as a wonderful 
dysfunctional family. <laughs> he had us all believing that it was our business and we'd work 16 hours a day and come back and do it again and again and again and love every minute of it. It was a great environment to work in. It was a lot was expected of you and um, you had to work very hard. You, you know, you work all day and then you get to and then you work all night. Um, but it was just a really, you know, he created a great environment to work in, and the level of professionalism and his the and his and the detail that he brought, his eye for detail in terms of creating the best customer experience, was apparent at every show, and something that all of us who worked there really benefited, learning to see the world through his eyes in terms of always giving the best customer experience and the best artist experience as well. Those were two things that he held in very high premium. Are you going to have posters of every concert like they do at the Fillmore? And- we, we will do posters. I don't know if we'll do them for every show. The Fillmore does it for every sold-out show, uh, and they sell out most of their shows. Mm-hmm. And most of the shows have, uh, have posters. We will do posters, yes. Not, I mean, it's the, the Fillmore legacy is, you know, the Bill Graham legacy of posters is just... Uh, Amazing, but you know we'd like to have, we'd like to create some of that. Some as well. sort of a legacy. Yeah. Have you thought about who your first big concert is going to be? Are no, you close to that yet? No, we we can't start booking shows or holding any dates until we pass a few construction milestones. The main one is pouring the concrete to tear the main floor. So once we do that, we'll see who's available and who's touring, and uh, we'll go from there. How did you come to the idea of the UC Theater? You know, when did you think, oh, I want to put a venue in there? Well, I was introduced, um, I got a call from uh, Michael Kaplan. He's the economic development director for the city of Berkeley. And uh, at the time, I was doing a green real estate project, a mixed-use condominium project in Berkeley. And um, that's how I, I, I came to know him and meet him. And But he knew of, knew of my past working at Bill Graham Presents, and he said, hey, the owners of the UC Theater just had a tenant fallout. They had Kimball's Jazz Club coming in, and they've just dropped out. Would you mind meeting with them and you know give them some ideas on what they might do with the theater? So I said, sure, I'd be happy to meet with them. So it was a favor to, to Michael. And I meet uh, the owners, um, uh, Egal and Yuval, and we uh, walk inside the theater. The minute I walk in, I take a look at the theater, I'm thinking to myself, I know exactly what to do with this theater. I mean, I didn't say anything at the moment, and then I followed up with him and said, I think this would be a great music venue. And then I set about organizing a group of people to to uh, develop it. And first time around, or initially, we started as a for-profit. And um, our, our funding came from uh, Warren Hellman and Roger McNamee and a gentleman named John Powell. They put together a bridge loan. Uh, that let me go out and get the project entitled. My partners were the folks that run Slims in uh, Great American Music Hall. Uh, but when Warren passed away, it really changed the dynamic. And uh, I sat down with a number of the investors, but one one key investor in particular, and talked about how much how our mission has always been to create something for the community and that that would probably be better served for us being a nonprofit organization and that was the that was the the crossroads where I decided that yes I wanted we wanted to become a nonprofit because it allows us to add the education component being a nonprofit we have a fiduciary responsibility to the community as a for-profit we have a fiduciary responsibility to our investors to give the highest return given that we always wanted a music venue that was community minded this allows us to expand the diversity of the inter- the music the artists and the the programming that we do it allows us to do you know the orchestra the symphony the the speaker series 
Um, it allows us to work. We want to work with nonprofits to help them with their fundraising. That's part of our mission as well, to put on events that would be fundraising events for them. Are there any other nonprofit music venues in the East Bay? Freight and Salvage is so, they have They do music education. They teach you how to play an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing the business side of we're doing the, the uh, concert promotion, you know, business education side, business and technical side. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching. Um, we're not working with musicians to improve their skill as a musician. So the nonprofit allows us to do this really diversity of music. It allows us also to subsidize certain shows that might, in other words, pay more for talent and lower the ticket price on some artists that we want to expose that are underserved, but, you know, that are in their genre, you know, well-known and at, at the top of their game, so to speak. It allows us to have this education program you know, being a nonprofit organization, and, um, and, and it allows us to work with nonprofits to help them with their fundraising. So the other, the other part of our mission is we believe that a nonprofit needs to have sustainable revenue streams. So once we're open, you know, 80% of our revenue will be earned and 20% contributed. But, so that's what funds education, you know, that's what helps to fund our music programming, that's what helps to fund, you know, working with nonprofits to help them fundraising. We really, we really think that that sustainable aspect is a really special quality to what we're doing. But conversely, um, our capital campaign, our Turn on the Lights, is all contributed revenue. So right now is when we're in the greatest need for support, is as we, you know, as, as we embark, as we start construction and as we finish construction. How would people support you? you they could go to our website. It's www.theuctheater.re, so theuctheater.org. And there's a lot of information on how to support us there. They can make a donation on the website as well, or they uh, they can find they can contact me through the website or uh, Debbie Van Dusen, who's on our staff. Even if if you think you're interested in supporting us, I'd love to give you a tour of our plans for the theater and talk to you about what we're doing. But yes, the website's a great. I place have been to on a tour there, and honestly, I was so surprised at the from the outside on the street, you would never know it was as beautiful and big as it is. Yeah, it's about 15,000 square feet. And again, our capacity will be 1,400, which is 200 higher than the Fillmore to give you a frame of reference. Yeah. So Fillmore's 1,200 legal, and we're 1,400. So it's a, it's a big room, and it, it'll, it's going to have great sight lines. The sound in there is going to be exceptional for many reasons, but the key reason is the sound system that we'll have with Meyer Sound. Meyer Sound, uh, Helen and John Meyer have been involved in this project almost since day one. Very, very generous. They're not only, uh, you know, providing us with the sound system, but they're also, their staff has been working very closely with us on working on all aspects of the acoustic performance of that sound system. So the sound that you'll experience when you go into uh, the... UC Theater will be equal to anything that you've heard before. It'll be as good as anything. When do you expect that this will all be complete? We will open in the fall of this year. Of this year? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. <laughs> is there a way to get, um, like, to be a member or a subscriber to? Well, you can go to our, just to get information, you can go to our website and sign up for email. And um, and then those who you know uh, we're very good at keeping in touch with those who are uh, who have donated to us, 
um, and, uh, and, and those who are thinking of donating, we're very good at communicating with them. For me, this is a passion project. I've been working on it for six years, and you know, I work you know, 60, 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week. And you live in Berkeley, right? I live in what I call Outer Berkeley. Um, I was born and raised in Berkeley. I grew up on Shattuck Avenue above Live Oak Park, but I live in Orinda. I'm trying to talk my wife into moving back, but I, I spend most of my time in Berkeley. What drives me here is that the this is a grand old theater that will become a spectacular new music venue, and it will be a place for people to gather in the community. It'll give uh, the community an opportunity to see really a diverse range of of artists of just cultural activity and it's really it also, representative of Berkeley. Yeah, it's representative of Berkeley, but it's you know it's going to help along with the Berkeley Rep and the Aurora Theater and the Freight and Salvage and the uh, Jazz School now California Academy of Jazz. They are the anchors of the arts and entertainment district, and now we will expand that district when we open and. And the museum will expand as they move to downtown, as they're under yeah. construction as they move to downtown Berkeley. So we're really going to be a fantastic regional hub. What what we're interested in doing is following up on some of you know some of Bill's what I learned at Bill Graham Presents, which is what we want to do is deliver a great customer experience, a great artist experience, and uh, we want to you know. We want to be able to include the community in what we're doing, and, and uh, you know that's why education is there, and that's why we're working with nonprofits. Are you going to change the name? Because when you see UC Theater, you think University of California must own this. The only thing that we're considering at this, the UC Theater name is, I think, a name that you know we sh- that should continue. However, there is some, there was some interest, and there is some interest, and we are interested in finding somebody for naming rights. But the naming rights would be. Something it would be like the uh, John F. Kennedy Music Hall at the UC Theater. In other words, we would not change the name, we would not change the marquee. But those naming rights are available if somebody's interested in that. It's been the UC Theater since Forever. 1917. Yeah. And yeah. If we were, whatever, whatever we might do uh, as some kind of you know naming rights would would include the UC Theater name in it. Are you a musician? I played bass. When I was 13, I played for 18 months from, you know, the ages of 13 to 14, and my crowning achievement was Louie Louie, and that was not... Were you a part of the Louie Louie contest in the 1980s here? I can't. No, I was was a lousy musician. Were you at Berkeley High when you started started working for Bill Graham? I was a 16-year-old. Yeah, my internship was at Berkeley High. Oh, that's great. Class of 72, Berkeley High, and then on to Cal. So you went, uh, you grew up in Berkeley, and what did you study at UC Berkeley? I studied uh, psychology, and while I was going to uh, school at Cal, I worked I worked for Bill Graham Presents as well, so that's how I, I paid for my way through school. By the age of 18, I was uh, working at Winterland. By the age of 19, I was running what he called his blue coats, which was his crowd control security. By the age of 21, I had 700 people working for me that we would schedule at various, you know, Bill Graham Presents shows. And they offered me a job while I was at Cal to come work full-time, and I turned it down, thinking that I should finish my education. And they offered it a second time, and I just, I didn't feel there would be another, there would be a third time. So I said yes, and I left with still a quarter or two to go at Cal. But um, it was, for me, it was a great experience. It seems like that 1,400-seat venue would be the perfect opportunity to get older veteran rock stars or whatever genre to come and do a small show, maybe an acoustic show. You know, at the end of their career, maybe they're, you know, not wanting to do these big concerts anymore. 
Are I you think, thinking about doing something like that? Well, I think there's a great opportunity for a lot of artists to what they would call underplay the market. So we'll get artists on their way up and artists who are, you know, are moving in another direction. But there's there's enormous opportunity uh, to, uh, and we will seek artists who would underplay the market and play this room, you know, maybe even do multiple nights. Somebody who can, you know, play a Coliseum but, but would play here for a couple of nights. And maybe those are... You know, fundraisers. Yes, and you could probably have some pretty high ticket prices for something like that. Well, a lot of the most of the shows will be market rate, um, but you know we will also subsidize shows. But the the idea of you know having artists that underplay for a one of my one of my goals, one of my dreams would be to take a pool of artists and take a pool of nonprofit organizations and marry the passions of both with each other so the artists can do fundraising at the UC Theater for these for nonprofits that they care about. Oh, that's great. So that's something that that's that's part of what we'd like to get done there as well. Uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to come to Cal. Did you it's, listen to Calix when you were at Cal? <laughs> I did. It's such a great eclectic mix of of music, of opinion. It's you know, it's just a, it's a great station. Thank you. Well, thank you for being on the program. My pleasure. Listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. If you have questions or comments about this show, go to the Calix website, find Method to the Madness, and drop us a line. You'll also find the link to previous podcasts. Tune in again in two weeks at this same time. Have a great weekend.